all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. You can follow us on Insta, X, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, Threads, and Blue Sky at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord. Do all of those things. Bam. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ah. It is a lot of social meds to remember. I mean, think mm. of, they, these are all social meds. They are all social meds. And we didn't, we didn't, we're not even like on YouTube, like one of the more popular, you know, one of the biggest ones. That's very true. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have a or Twitch. We don't really have much of a video presence. Yeah. You didn't we say a while back we were gonna do a we Twitch did. stream? Yeah, we just haven't. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe this weekend. Yeah. A, a surprise one. Yeah. Now, of course, we're saying this, we're saying this recorded yeah. it a couple weeks in yeah, advance. Yeah, this is coming so. out a couple yeah. weeks after Labor Day weekend. Yes, this is, we're doing another midnight recording mm-hmm. um, extremely early on uh, September 2nd. So yes, that's true. <laughs> this isn't coming out until later, <laughs> whatever <laughs> date it is. At this point, I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, this one's not coming out until like the uh, 19th or something, something like that. Something like yeah. that, yeah, maybe. The, yeah, because yeah, we've got one coming out September 11th, mm-hmm. interestingly. Um, yeah, so the 18th. Yeah, I think so. I think. If it's not the 18th and you're listening then to it's the this, 25th. it's whatever day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Anywho. Anywho uh, at all. Um, you have the entire weekend off. and Yeah. I have I, work tomorrow. This is Labor Day weekend, and I've, I've got the weekend off. You've, you've got a two-day weekend. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. What were you about to show me? I'm sorry. Oh, I um I got my flu vaccine. Oh, okay. Wanted to make sure I got that before going to Scotland, and the pharmacist ah, said true. that they are hoping to have the possibly have the um the new COVID? next variant yep for COVID vaccine possibly available before I go to Scotland. If so, I'm hundred yeah. percent want to get it. <laughs> It'll it'll be easier to get into Scotland too. I'm sure. That you know what? From I I've looked it all up, and there's just not those restrictions anymore. I guess, you don't have yeah, to show a test. You there. don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I did when so. I went to Kansas City. Or did I? No, I don't think I did. I didn't have to from. And I know St. I didn't. Louis, yeah, you know? I was gonna say no. I didn't when when I went to see you in St. Louis. Yeah. Earlier this year. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't think we had anything in. Kansas City either. But you know what the pharmacist said? He said that um, the... Now this, again, this is just this specific pharmacy. I don't know what it's like for other pharmacies. But he said that this booster was very specifically a variant booster. That's what they're coming out with, right? They're identifying what the variant is, Mm -hmm. a variant of concern, and creating a specific shot for that. He said you have to have had your previous COVID shots in order to get this. And he said they no longer give at that, at this pharmacy, 
they no longer give those original booze, those original shots anymore. And I was like, wow. So people who yeah, didn't get them, years, like they can't. A couple years old at this point. Yeah. So I was like, so people who didn't get that series of shot, he's like, yeah, I don't know what they'll do. <laughs> so basically, if you have not, first of all, I, I like to think that if medically possible, all of our listeners have gotten their COVID shots that they need to get. But if you haven't for any reason... Statistically, some people haven't. Right. If you haven't, get them. Because there's a chance that the boosters, you may need them for... I mean, like I said, this is according to one pharmacist, but still. He was very good. It did. The shot did not hurt. That's always good. My arm's a little sore now, but that's about it. Sure. So. Always um, happens with a flu shot. Yeah, just that that Mm -hmm. soreness a little bit. Um, We also... Got some listener email from Haley, mm. who has done some scripts for us. Oh, okay. Um, and the topic is la- uh, okay. latest yeah. polio episodes. Okay. So Haley said, hi, Rachel and David. Great job on the polio episodes. Love, Haley. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she said other stuff. <laughs> this isn't just self <laughs> Just like, hey. <laughs> Later. Hi. I actually work at my alma mater. University of Michigan, oh, where really? Salk wow. did his postdoc. Yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, University of Michigan is no joke. As no, a, as, a, a, it's a big... as an educational institution. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I have also worked with an enterovirus, enterovirus D sixty eight or EV D sixty eight. I work in pediatrics pulmonology. With, that's pretty amazing. I knew I, Haley was... That sounds hard. ...did medical stuff, so <laughs> yes, it does. Sounds difficult. Where we research how respiratory viruses affect pediatric asthma. EV-D68 was one of the more contagious viruses I've worked with. While the typical symptoms of infection mimic the common cold, it can also cause polio-like symptoms. When I was culturing the virus, I was instructed to be aware of any numbness or tingling I felt in my limbs. Wild stuff. Yeah, that would be. Another connection to the polio story. During my undergrad years, I took a history of epidemics course here at UMich. My professor, Dr. Martin Pernick, explained that the polio, explained the polio vaccination trials by putting up a data collection sheet from the research. It listed names of the children enrolled, their age, what elementary school they were from, and if they got the actual vaccine or placebo. He asked if we noticed anything peculiar on the sheet, and none of us did. He pointed out his own name on the sheet. Oh, no shit. He had been five years old when his mother enrolled him in the study. He had received the vaccine, not the placebo. Hmm. Thank you for all you do, and stay safe with the hurricane coming. Haley B. Yes, absolutely. And we did stay, the hurricane was nothing. Where where we are, it, it, there's was, some yeah, rain. We needed nights, rain. Yeah, two <laughs> nights ago, it was, it was pouring down rain on my way home from work, which is not normal. And uh, yeah. I get home from work late, obviously, mm-hmm. at night. So it was not fun driving home at night in the rain, but whatever. Was there wind or it was just rain? It was just rain, pretty yeah. much. And not very heavy. Yeah. Like, it was like, but just raining. It's not fun to drive in rain no. at night, especially. But uh, thankfully, I got home when I did, because maybe... 20 minutes later it, that's when it started coming down and really? didn't stop for like until i came until i went to bed mm. so okay. it was coming down like coming down that entire time yeah so I'm like I'm like this is just the storm remnants 
But it wasn't really that windy. It was just, just it was just a yes, just a downpour. And it had actually been a while since we had rain, mm-hmm. so it really wasn't that bad. We kind of <laughs> needed it, yeah. and it's, and like in the two days since, it's almost it's all been dried nice. up. Yeah, it's it was it, it brought a little cooler weather too. Instead of being in the mid nineties, we've been in like the mid eighties for a mm-hmm. couple days. It's been very nice, although we're getting right back up. <laughs> so, all right, are we ready for this? This we are. There's going to be bad stuff in this mm. episode. Um, and I wanted to give an additional. I know we say trigger warning for everything. I wanted to get give a specific trigger warning for child sex abuse. Yeah. Um, not that we're going to wallow in it, but no. we're going to give some information. It, um, will, it will be brought up. Exactly. So I just want to, and I'll, I'll give another heads up before we get to that in case you need to um, uh, fast forward through this. But large portions of this story will be absolutely delightful. And... I <laughs> omitting the obvious parts. Yes, omitting the the horrible parts, the bad yes. parts. But we have a theme song for our episode. Oh, okay. And I nice. I just cannot... just like just like because we're rewatching Breaking Bad. Uh huh. All these like amazing songs. Like how did they? <laughs> right. How did they find a song that's chorus is Crystal Blue, Blue Persuasion? persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's almost not real, uh-huh. but it is. And I am. I may have picked this entire topic just to see your face when I play this. Okay. All right. All right. Number one, I can't dance. <laughs> like number two, like it's, it's just it's 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 way too much. It's too much. And this is like somebody who's like <laughs> li- listens to death metal occasionally. I can handle some of that just fine. Like that, there's too many things going on. Do you know why I played that? I mean, it's definitely inspired by cocaine. Is is that where, where our story is going? Or? No, think extremely literally. Who did we just listen to? The Miami Sound Machine. That's right. Who was singing? Uh, my. <laughs> <laughs> the, the her. The her. That's right. She. This is the story of the herd now. Yes. What is her fucking name? Gloria is yes. That her. <laughs> this is the what story. The the, oh, I well, we'll get into how we get into what we mentioned earlier. This is yes. All right. <clears throat> so, do you know what happened to Gloria Estefan? I have no idea. No. This is the story of the Gloria Estefan bus crash. Oh. Yeah. Like when she was. Oh, well, we'll, yeah, we'll get Yeah, here, let it. me get, okay. give you the intro. That'll give you a little context. On March 20th, 1990, mm. the tour bus Gloria Estefan and her entourage were traveling in near Scranton, Pennsylvania, was rear-ended by a semi-truck, Ooh. critically injuring the 32-year-old singer I think I and nearly ending this. her career. Do you? Yeah. This is a pretty a, big... Yeah. You would have been a teenager, so yeah. you would have No, this is a pretty big story on MTV. I remember this. Yes, because yeah. Miami Sound Machine were on MTV. Oh, yeah. Bit, so, yeah. They were a big mm-hmm. pop group in the oh, yes. mid to late 80s. Yes. And this is 1990, correct? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're still... And Gloria Estefan is going to do her solo thing at this time. Oh, we are going and, to get yeah. into all of that. I, see, yes. I thought it was Estefan. Gloria yeah. Estefan. <clears throat> I, 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 yes. What I've are you kind saying? Estefan? Estefan. Okay. So, I, I think either Estefan. is... I Like, I'm... Either is probably fine. It's my understanding, with my very limited knowledge of Spanish, that multi multisyllabic names 
typically the accent is on the second syllable. So like, it's not, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like we say Emilio Estevez, right? It's probably more likely Emilio Estevez. Estevez. So you can say Estefan, Estefan, sure. you know, like either, either or kind of. And some people maybe just have a preference too. Yeah. They like the way this sounds better over that. Honestly, I bet Gloria doesn't really care a whole lot one way or the other, especially with her millions. She's fine. Yeah. When I lived in Greenville, South Carolina, that reminded me of this guy um, that, you know, kind of acquaintances with hung around, but uh, he went by Julio, not Julio. Oh, And I was uh-huh. just like. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Several, uh, I've known of people who, um, you know, the name George, but spelt with a J, Jorge. Yes. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you pronounce it in Spanish, There was a baseball Jorge. player named George Bell. That's how he spelled it. J-O-R-G-E. Exactly. And some people just pronounce it George. It's yeah. just a personal preference, yeah. you know? So, so sources, BBC, Biography.com, Crime Reads, DRB Capital, The Guardian, The Miami Herald, NBC News, Red Table Talk, The Estefans. Remezcla, USA Today, and Wikipedia. So, um, I typed out, I fully admit that my primary motivation for covering this topic was to get to David's reaction to playing Conga <laughs> at the top. <laughs> and we'll talk more about I just could not remember music. her name. I was just like, <laughs> her, the yeah, her, the I was her. Like, Shania Twain? No, that's not right. It's not fucking Shania Twain. Um, so, shout out to listener Sarah for the topic suggestion here. <laughs> Because I had not, until Sarah mentioned it, I didn't know that this happened to Gloria. I vaguely remember this now. And I bet, I bet there's a clip of it on YouTube. Because there's all those those MTV News news. archives that... Kurt Loder. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Yes. And a lot of them. Or John Norris. Don't forget about John Norris. Oh, how how could I? Don't forget about Kennedy, who is now a Fox News commentator. Oh, no. Libertarian, Libertarian Kennedy. Oh, jeez. She was badass when she was younger, though, but <laughs> I don't know if she was a libertarian then or not. But as it turns out. So, fun fact number one Gloria Estefan was born Gloria Maria Milagrosa Fajardo Garcia. Si. On September 1st, 1957, oh, which we yeah, just, we just passed her 66th birthday. Wow. So, happy birthday, Gloria. Okay, so she is still. <coughs> Still, uh, conga-ing. Oh, so she's still alive? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. She's like my parents' age. In fact... God, I guess she is. Yes. Because, um, she's of the Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince era of... Because Madonna's 65. Yes. Man. And I will tell you... Madonna looks just... Well, whatever. (laughs) Looks are looks, but in terms of... After researching all of this, I kind of love Gloria Stefan. Well, I mean, uh, you can't... Um, <laughs> she, she seems really cool. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, who else was producing, like, Latin-inspired music in the 1980s? That's absolutely right. On well, that big of a level. And we are going to I mean, yeah, that you had a regional acts, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you did. That inspired absolutely, her yeah. stuff. But mm-hmm. she was international, oh, really. Oh, yes. Yeah. And if, she was, and if she was this big in the U- U.S., then she was mm-hmm. going to be this big fucking everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So Gloria was born in Havana, Cuba. Okay. But think, right of, at the think of when she was <laughs> like born. At the worst yes. time. Like a year shy, basically, wow. of the revolution. Yeah. Um. Oh, so she that was. That sucks. <laughs> well, we'll get in. It, her story is fascinating. So she was born to Gloria Garcia, a singer and educator. Her nickname was Big Gloria. So I'm going to be calling her 
because she features throughout this story, Gloria's mom, I'm going to be calling her Big Gloria. <laughs> um, and Jose Fajardo, a policeman. A policeman, right? In 1957 Cuba. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've covered in thorough detail, I would posit, <clears throat> the comings and goings of Cuba at this time in history. And also who's hanging around in Cuba at this time. Yes. And who's <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Gloria yeah, was born... Just imagine being in Cuba in fucking 1957. Gloria was born almost exa- like basically that's, that's exactly characters. 16 months yeah. before Fidel Castro completed his successful coup of the Cuban government. And this was an issue for Gloria's family because of her father, who was a cop under the Batista regime. Right? And we talked about in the Marielle Boatlift episodes that the first wave of people who fled after Castro came to power were mostly people who worked with Batista. Yeah. So that makes they, sense. Because they knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they would be the first ones yep. imprisoned, yeah. like Gloria's father was for a oh, few wow. months. Uh huh. Jose was arrested on the night of the coup. Um, and uh, when he was released, I wrote three years later, so actually three months later. He moved with his wife and infant daughter to Miami. They and I, I, I gotta tell you, like, just from having lived in Miami in the nineties and two thousands. True. Yeah, we're in the middle I, of like some serious culture. <clears throat> oh my goodness! Like Elian Gonzalez. Like, don't even get me started. <laughs> that was a god. whole thing. Oh my god. Yes, but um, you would hear about the Estefans just as like they're famous. Miamians. Sure. They really, really are. And they're heavily involved in commerce and, and uh, culture in Miami. So they're they're like Miami staples. But And we'll sure. talk about the, where the Estefan comes from, obviously. But we're kind of concentrating on, on Gloria right now. So her family settled in an apartment in Little Havana and opened a Cuban restaurant. Uh, Gloria said, quote, I was raised very Cuban because the whole plan was to go back. And that one... She, that This wouldn't be the only family who thought that, right? Sure. I was raised with Cuban traditions, Cuban food, Cuban music playing, and a lot of other music, too, because my mother really was an amazing singer. My grandmother would smuggle her record collection to us in Miami in boxes of baby food, sending me mango baby food. That was the only thing I would eat, end quote. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, if you, and if you hear, <clears throat> excuse me, if you hear Gloria talk... She has a, a decent accent because sure. Spanish is her first language. Sure. And even though she came to the United States as an infant, her family very much kept Cuban culture alive. So she, uh, Spanish was her always her primary language. Of course, she speaks perfect English. I'm just saying she she has she does have an accent. In 1961, Gloria's father was one of the refugees that the CIA trained oh to try God. to stage a coup at the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, he was captured during a training by his own cousin. <laughs> and he was subsequently imprisoned in Cuba for almost two years that's before why he wasn't, returning home in Christmas 62. That's why he wasn't killed, though. Like, it was, that's why right, he was... Right, yeah, yeah, he had an It was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, let's, we gotta, let's do this the easy way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gloria said that while her father was in Cuba, she remembers her mother, quote, dragging me to prayer groups, end quote. In 1963, Big Gloria gave birth to Gloria's only sibling, a sister named Rebecca, nicknamed Becky. Let me pull up the photos here. 
got some fun. Oh, we've got some fun photos coming up later. Okay. 80s-tastic yeah, photos. Yeah, sure we do. So this is, that's Gloria. Okay. And her mom, her dad, and her little sister. Okay. Becky. They all kind of look alike. Yeah, well, that would be because they're related. <laughs> but you see it, though? Like yes, the, uh-huh. They all uh-huh. kind of look like the dad. Like yeah. the kids look like, like the, dad. the dad. Yeah. I saw, um, I watched a little interview with Gloria and her mom mm. talking, too. And it was so funny because basically, like, big Gloria had a big personality. She was like 4'9", or so. Because I think Gloria's only like 5'2", or something. She's yeah, not a big she's lady. Tiny. Um, but, uh, Gloria joked that cause her, her mom was like, I'm taller than you. And Gloria was like, yeah, this woman went to the DMV to get her, um, her driver's license and wore heels so that they would say she was taller. <laughs> so she'd see above the counter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so though big Gloria had earned a PhD in education in Cuba, you want to guess how valuable that degree was considered in the United States in the 1950s? Uh, yeah. Um, like many people immigrating to the States, she lost all her credentials. Sure. And had to work her way back up the ladder. And she went to night school and eventually went to work in the Dade County public school system as an elementary school teacher in Hialeah. Oh, okay. And Big Gloria ended up, like, really holding down the home front by working and caring for her two daughters when, in 1967, Jose joined the army and volunteered to fight in Vietnam. Oh. Um, At some point, Gloria also said the family lived in Texas. I couldn't find a timeline of this. And, you know, it appears they did move back to Miami at some point. Anyway, this, this time for the... Uh, uh, Fajardo's was was not good. It was rough all the way around. Her mom's having to, you know, work and take care of the kids. Her dad's fighting in Vietnam. And in 2021, Gloria revealed, and trigger warning, here, here it is again for child sex abuse, Gloria revealed publicly that she had been sexually abused by a music teacher mm. after her father left for Vietnam. She said, quote, he was family, but not close family. He was in a position of power because my mother had put me in his music school and he immediately started telling her how talented I was and how I needed special attention. And she felt lucky that he was focusing this kind of attention on me, end Mm. quote. Gloria said that the abuse started, quote, little by little and then it goes fast, end quote. She said, quote, I told him this cannot happen. You cannot do this. He goes, your father's in Vietnam, your mother's alone, and I will kill her if you tell her, mm. end quote. So, and th- she's she's nine yeah. years old at this point. Like, this is just a, a hor- horrible situation. Um, uh, and it was so horrible that, and so stressful for her, that her hair started falling out mm. in chunks. And she did end up telling her mother. And her mother did go to the police. Um But Gloria said that the police advised her not to press charges because they said she would, quote, go through worse trauma having to get on a stand and testify, Mm. end quote. Um, But Gloria chose to tell her story recently, right? This was just a couple years ago, to raise awareness of the prevalence of child abuse being committed by people who the survivor knows. That's that's, the most common form of I was going to say, that's usually always the case. Very, very, it comes very with something like that. Yeah. So it's just ugh. so this is Gloria as a kid. Okay. 
Oh, well, she plays guitar. guitar. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's she's a a talented musician. I, I guess I only think of her as a singer and like well, that, dancer. That is her primary thing. Yeah. She she did not. In fact, I'm not even sure she ever did really play the guitar for Miami Sound Machine, like on stage or anything. Yeah. Okay. She's singer was her main thing, and performer, right? Because sure. like you said, dancing and that's not not a skill. You that, know? Is, that is true. Well, he's he's exciting. Exciting isn't a skill. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> It is when you're a singer. <laughs> it is. Not when you're a football player. Correct. <laughs> so before he left for Vietnam, Jose gave a reel-to-reel tape recorder and left it with Gloria and Becky, and he took one with him on his deployment. He wanted to make sure that the girls remembered his voice, especially mm. Becky, who was really little at the time. Unfortunately for the Fajardos, like thousands of other soldiers and civilians yeah. in Vietnam, Jose was exposed to Agent Orange. Mm. Um, and instead of, well, there's an uncle in your family who's exposed to Agent Orange and he's struggled in recent years with cancer, but... He wound up getting some sort of settlement along the way. Did he? Well, that's good. He got something. That's good. Um, I think that happened, that might have happened, um... I think that might have happened in Obama's second term or something like that. Oh, really? So it was kind of they, they got they all got all the oh, vet, they got okay. some sort of compensation. Okay. I believe. All right. Well. That's, but um. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not not putting them through that. But I mean, yeah. the amount of uh, like I've always said like because there is such a spike in crime from the seventies, like mm-hmm. the or from like the mid to late sixties all the way to like the early nineties. Yeah. And my theory has always been it's the fucking Vietnam War. Like, everybody lost their fucking... Like, it, it, it affected everybody. Sure, trauma for everybody. Yes. A country in, that In a way, trauma. yeah, that we've never... <clears throat> fortunately, you and I have never had to experience. I mean, we've yeah. been at war most of our lives, but I've known people, and it, but yeah. it just doesn't have the same effect that I it used to have. Do you think that both September 11th and COVID have been mass trauma producing? They have, for sure. Um... Uh, the oh, wait, financial collapse. The, crisis, the, yeah. the traumas mm-hmm. have come in just different the forms. The 21st century has been really traumatic, actually. <laughs> yeah. you know. And the traumas have all come differently. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is, that's brutal. So, uh, as opposed to, you know, causing problems later in his life, Jose experienced issues from his Agent Orange exposure, sure. like, instantly. He was sure. diagnosed with multiple sclerosis oh, and man. struggled to even speak. According to Gloria, quote, he would forget that he couldn't walk and would stand up and then he'd fall, end quote. Which is oh, it's like, well, and then just, you know, a couple decades later, you had people that came down with Gulf War syndrome mm-hmm. from the first Gulf War. Which we did discuss in an episode, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. Yes, it was a long time ago. So with a sick father, a baby sister, a mother working to keep the family afloat, Gloria was like the primary caregiver for a while to both her father and her sister when she wasn't at school. Well, it also shows like how she became such a success because you have to be Gritty. sharp, yeah, to be that successful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she was she had to raise herself from a yeah. very young age, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. After experiencing a traumatic event, yep, mm-hmm. and just kind of mm-hmm. getting through that, just being like, and okay. we'll talk a little bit too later about like all, all the footage I watched of her like being interviewed and stuff. This lady's got a positive attitude. Sure. Like, I think that's the thing that, like, keeps her afloat, you know. PMA. Um, yeah, there you go. 
<laughs> she was the she was the original. Uh, yeah. what, what were those? Uh, she was the original straight edge. so during this time gloria used singing as both a way to soothe her father and herself she said quote music was my escape end quote jose unfortunately eventually had to be hospitalized at the va the veterans administration due to his condition he died in 1980 at age 47 Mm, so very very young young. Mm -hmm. yeah In 1975, when she was 17, Gloria went to a one-night band event, which I think is a cute name, (laughs) Hmm. uh, for a church her parents attended. One of the musicians who showed up was Emilio Estefan Gomez, a 21-year-old accordion player. You know Emilio Estefan, right? I do not. You've never heard of Emilio? Oh, okay. (laughs) I took it for granted. So I don't, I don't don't know much about the machine. Okay, named Miami. So it's not just the, it's not just the machine. Like if you hear about Gloria Estefan, Mm -hmm. you hear about Emilio. Like they are a package deal. It's actually really cool. Well, we'll keep husband and wife. Well, let's keep uh, talking. Um, so Emilio was also from Cuba, though his family fled Castro in a later. Emilio. Emilio. I was like Emilio. The Mighty Ducks man. <laughs> I'll bet ten people pick up on that reference. Over Amy under. Was old enough to remember Night at, at the Roxbury. Over under at ten. Get back to uh, us. Uh, 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 get, get back uh, to us on uh, all uh, on uh, all your favorite social meds. What is love? <laughs> we should actually. Man. That's what we should do for a Twitch. Watch stream. Night at the Roxbury. Just watch that. Yeah. I could quote half the lines. Yeah, that'd be fun. I fucking love that movie. Oh my goodness. Let us know, dear listeners. <laughs> so, Emilio's family fled Castro in 1967, so he came over a bit, quite a bit later. I was going to say. Gloria said that she was attracted to Emilio for his accordion playing and, quote, very short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> the only person Hilarious. in history that that's been said about. Right? Oh, that, that accordion player in the, the short, short shorts, shorts is so sexy. Have you seen him? <laughs> Have you seen him play that thing? <laughs> Unfortunately, I did try to find a picture of a 21-year-old Emilio in uh, uh, short shorts, and I, I'm, I'm sad to report I could not find anything. We'll have to have uh, AI just make one up. Yeah. <laughs> get on. Uh, right, get on, that's true. Let's get on Chat GPT and make that happen. Um, but Emilio had a girlfriend at the time. Uh-oh. He had also recently started his band, the Miami Latin Boys. Uh-oh. One night after they met, the Miami Latin boys were playing a wedding at a hotel, which Gloria and her cousin, Mercy Navarro, were at as guests. Uh. Both Gloria and Mercy performed... Go ahead. (laughs) A couple of Cuban standards on the fly with the band, who were so impressed by their singing, they invited both girls to join the band. I like how it happened on the fly. Like, I can imagine, like, being at this thing and, like... Everybody just instinctively knows what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, especially if it's a standard song, you know, they're like, yeah. You know, Cielito Lindo? Okay. No. All right. <laughs> I'm actually not positive if that is a Cuban standard. Or so this is Spanish what I mean when you standard. know, like, all the music. Well, I know like, that from I Love Lucy. Oh, okay. Well, there Ricky you go. sang it. So, anyway. Until the 1980s. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you, you know all that's yeah. That's right. Yes. That's that's how we make each other. <laughs> You're right. We'd be really good. We're really good at music trivia, just in different eras. Yes, much different. So obviously, Miami Latin Boys isn't the be- best name for a band. Period. <laughs> it is not. Great name for like a you know, like a touring like strip. Like, <laughs> it does yeah. sound like Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Miami Latin Boys. Yeah. Um, it, but let alone like one that now had two women in it. So they changed the band's name to Miami Sound Machine. Yeah, much much better. It is. It's it actually better is the better name. name. Yes. Big Gloria. I mean, sometimes that's all it fucking takes. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, really. Just change up. Just change the fucking name. Like, mm-hmm. just, you know. Mm-hmm. Miami Land Boys. Like, nope. No. Miami Sound Machine. Okay. That works. That works. <laughs> yeah. So Big Gloria was not at all happy that Gloria joined the band. Uh-oh. She did not want her daughter to lose sight of her education. I mean, she's an educator, right? She's like, no, you're... And especially uh, uh, in the immigrant. 1970s, immigrant parent the watching only her daughter. Way, the yeah. only way for them to get ahead. Was, Education. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or hitting it big. But that was a big but, gamble. But to the parents, they were like, they were like, no, you don't gamble. Like, you mm-hmm. get your education first, and then That's you go right. out to her. Especially a woman who had her PhD. She's going to yeah. want her kids educated, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she didn't want her daughter to lose sight of her education. Um, and Gloria went on to attend the U, the University mm. of Miami. Gloria told the band, like, hey, I cannot work during the week. I can only work on the weekends with the band. And <clears throat> she focused on her dual major in communications and psychology with a minor in French because Gloria is trilingual. She can wow. speak English, Spanish, and French. Okay. She was also working as a student employee at the airport as an interpreter and as a guitar instructor at a local middle school. The lady was busy. Sure. <laughs> of course, she was also like 18, so she had more energy. But that's the thing, too. Like, <clears throat> she's a you know somebody who keeps herself busy so she's very active yeah so and when you become a professional entertainer uh-huh. guess what you're busy you're busy every day <laughs> yep absolutely <clears throat> so after a year of being in the miami sound machine the relationship between gloria and emilio progressed and they started dating emilio emilio According to Big Gloria, Emilio was the first and only boyfriend Gloria ever had. Really? Yeah. Okay. And she was not thrilled with this <laughs> at first. Uh, Gloria said that Big Gloria once slammed their front door in Emilio's face. Like, she was pretty openly hostile towards him. <laughs> Emilio. <laughs> Though Big Gloria would eventually come around, and we will get to that, it would take years and the event we will be discussing. So, Big Gloria's fears would end up being unfounded. Gloria graduated from UM with a major in psychology and a minor in music, according to her mother. Other sources say that she kept her French minor, but whatever. But she did make a major change in her career course after her involvement with Emilio. She had been accepted to the Sorbonne in Paris, a highly prestigious school. I was going to say, that sounds important. Yes, uh uh-huh. She was going to study international law and diplomacy. Oh, fuck. All right. But she decided against it to pursue her music career and be with Emilio. That's quite a gamble. <clears throat> but it again, paid off. Well, but then again, if it doesn't work out, like, you'll know within, like, five or six years, and you can kind of 
she could yeah. potentially go back. Sure. Yeah. Because all that stuff is, it's not, all the politics and all that stuff is not going away. <laughs> right. Yeah, International it's... diplomacy isn't going anywhere. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, it isn't. Like, it's stalling on purpose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody's got to work those, uh, you know, somebody's got to work those contracts. So, in uh, despite Big Gloria's protest, Gloria and Emilio got married in 1978 after two years of dating. And that's Gloria and Emilio. <laughs> that's a great picture. It is a great picture, isn't it? <laughs> he he looks very 1978. He does. They both look, uh, yeah. I think she looks gorgeous in that they picture. They both look very, very 1978. Yes. <laughs> I, love the, uh, I love the blue interior of the car. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The cars are the best. <laughs> So as Gloria and Emilio's relationship was growing, so was their band. The original Miami Sound Machine lineup consisted of all Cuban-American musicians, including another couple, Gloria's cousin Mercy, and her husband, Raul Marciano. Sure. The most delightful thing I learned this week, period. A couple of days ago, I was talking with my parents, and I told them that I was covering this topic. And my dad was like, looking on his phone as I was talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, here's Raul. I went to school with him. (laughs) No shit. Yes. My father went to Miami Christian School. No kidding. With Raul Marciano of Miami Sound Machine. No shit. Yeah. It's hilarious. Your dad's a musician. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, I think Raul is a keyboard player. Okay. And, uh, yeah, he, he's like Facebook friends with him. No shit. And that's, he's, that's hilarious. Yeah. And he's no longer married to Mercy. Uh-oh. They did divorce. But um, he was like, oh, yeah, this is his wife. I think her name was Vivian. Um, he was like, she went to school with us, too. Should, uh, they got married like 12 years ago. <laughs> should invite him up to play with, uh, play with Peak the City. people of Peak City. Oh. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that would be funny. But... But I thought that was hilarious. And it also shows that even a big city can be a small town. Oh, of course. You know? Yeah. But this, it makes so much sense because my parents are almost exactly Gloria's age. So that's the cohort, you know? And big cities at that time, like, they were distributed differently and they didn't have as much people. Like, people lived amongst each other more often, you know, back then. So. Mm -hmm. Um, So Raul went on to work at the University of Miami's Frost School of Music. He was a professor and the school's chief administrative officer, and he now lives in Colorado with his wife, Vivian, who also went to school with my dad in Raul, where he runs the Colorado Mambo Orchestra. Oh, that so sounds like a, fun. Yes, just a fun little yeah. tidbit. Mambo, Mambo, Mambo Orchestra. <laughs> Mambo Orchestra, yes. yep. <laughs> so Miami Sound Machine began releasing music under a couple of different labels until they created their own Miami Sound Machine Records. While this period Good didn't choice. Like, keep keep it consistent. <laughs> right. Yeah. While this period did not leave us with a string of hits, it did leave us with some truly epic late seventies album art. Oh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from their first it's like, one. It's like, hey guys, are we going to the roller rink or what? <laughs> it does look like Bay City Rollers or something. So the guys no, are No, the in roller like, rink. Like like you know what I mean? Roller skates. Right. Yeah, the Bay City Rollers. Also, oh, that was their. Sure, that was their. That was their. their um, niche. the guys are wearing like denim. All denim. It's almost like a it's clo- very Canadian. close to a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> the only thing they're missing is the jacket. Yes, <laughs> and and the the two ladies. Have... They're wearing like roller rink gear, like they really yeah, are. Yeah, from much. 1978. They have like these little 
um they're the stripes stripe. it's stripe the, it's the spectrum stripes yes. it's got all the yes. colors uh-huh. <laughs> it's got all the colors <laughs> and then here is another one it's just they're they're great they're just it's so fun <laughs> <laughs> they went from like now they're just kind of like like we're your neighbors, kind of. Miami Cash. Yeah, like that's like, Raul, by the way. Oh, okay. my dad showed me. He's like, oh, that's Raul. That's Raul. <laughs> no, this looks more like local band night, like, like yeah, death, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Playing the festival. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> in 1979, um, <laughs> I know it's great. Miami Sound Machine signed with Discos CBS International. And began releasing their albums to a wider audience. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only label to go with at the time. Duh. Well, they needed an international needed label. To get with, yeah. They, oh, man. And distribution back in this time yeah. is so different. That, yep. Oh, my God. Everything's different. Yep. They also collected additional musicians, including a horn section, making them a much larger ensemble. Yeah. As the band was growing, so was Gloria and Emilio's family. On their second anniversary, September 2nd, 1980, that is right, today, as we're recording oh, this, right now. is Gloria and Emilio's 45th wedding anniversary. Emilio. They are still married. That's crazy. Yeah. No kidding. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so funny that it ended up we were recording this like on I'm, her on birthday and anniversary. Yep. And her kid's birthday. Her kid is... 43 today <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that um so she gave birth to their son naive uh and it, it interestingly because that's it's kind of like oh gloria emilio naive it's like that's not much of a well-known cuban name yeah. but um emilio also has lebanese heritage so okay. that's probably where sure. that comes from at that point and i love this part of the story Amelia moved off the stage and focused more on promoting Miami Sound Machine and other business ventures so that he could kind of be the primary caregiver of their child. Yeah, that's, so that's, she's the voice, right? Sure. Well, she's so, the uh, she's the uh, straw that stirs the drink, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> and he recognized that sure. and so, was like, well... You stand on the spotlight, I'll take care of the details. And he is a longtime businessman, so he was yeah. like the wheeler dealer businessman. Smart man, decision. And also took care of the kids. You're so, all yeah. the talent. You got this. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be there to I'll be there in the background to make and, and to make ready, sure financially. Ready this, to play this, the accordion when you yep, need me. When you need it. With my <laughs> Although shorts. he did famously he played congas on conga. Like he could play um, they had all the band team. members for yes, that they song. Did. They played it very fast. And 12 others. Yes. yes. So initially, Miami Sound Machine was able to gain popularity in Latin America, but struggled to break through in other markets. Eventually, their song, Dr. Beat, was picked up on radio in Amsterdam. <laughs> and they that, started getting significant like... airplay in Europe, eventually breaking the top 10. Sorry. That sounds like the opera and cola, like at the <laughs> well, let's Dr. Hear, Beat. Well, let's hear it. Emergency, paging Dr. Beat. Emergency. <laughs> you can't not dance to this. The ambulance clarin. <laughs> oh, this would have worked so well in Escape from New York. <laughs> okay, I get, yeah, you get yeah, the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's, it's too much. Too many things are going on. <laughs> too much stuff going on. 
eventually Miami Sound Machine became part of a larger cultural movement in the 80s that popularized South Florida and specifically Miami in media. So to say that Miami... (laughs) Amongst other things. Well, to say that Miami went through some stuff in the 1970s and 80s is a major understatement. So it's like ground zero for fucking Anita Bryant. That asshole. Yeah. She she did? I don't think she I, don't think she, is. she should be. Being an asshole. Uh, riots and police violence. We discussed this a little bit Funny in the Mariel Boatlift episodes. Um, by the way, that was going on, right? The Mariel Boatlifts were going on at this time. Um, there was a drug trade that was getting pretty out of control and violent. You can watch Cocaine Cowboys. Oh, Cowboy. it was already out of control. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, there plus, was... you, plus you had a, uh, like... One of like the biggest TV shows in America at the time, Miami Vice. Like, Don't rush ahead yet. We're oh, getting to oh, that. Oh, my bad. Okay. But the there was um, very notoriously a shootout, a gangland shooting at Dadeland Mall, which was like close to where you. Where you <clears throat> I went were. there all the time yeah. as a kid. It's in Kendall. It's like suburb city, and the people That's died like at Sears. Being crazy. Yes, yeah, a drive. I guess by I never there. thought of it that way, but yeah. Yeah. If you'd been there multiple times. Yep. And then tons of political corruption, which honestly has not stopped. No, it has not. It it, it keeps going. No. Miami got a lot of bad national press, including a cover story in Time magazine that called Miami Paradise Lost, saying, quote, (laughs) an epidemic of violent crime, a plague of illicit drugs, and a tidal wave of refugees have slammed into South Florida with the destructive power of a hurricane, end quote. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Now, Dave Barry, <laughs> oh, yeah. a longtime South Florida yeah. writer, um, and has been writing for the Miami Herald since, like, also the Stone a, Age. Also in a band with Stephen King, right? That's right. Yeah, the, um, oh, what are they called? The Rock Bottom Remainders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he wrote a column about that story, and the paper gave out bumper stickers with the paper that read, Come back to Miami. We weren't shooting at you. (laughs) (laughs) It was somebody else. Sorry you got caught in the crossfire on this one. We'll repay you the next time. But in the early 1980s, things kind of started to turn around a little for Miami, rapidly increasing its cachet. In particular, 1983 and 1984 were big years for Miami. 1984, naturally, because that's when I was born in Miami. Anyway, in 1983, the Dolphins landed franchise quarterback. One Daniel Marino. That's right. With with what pick in the first round? I don't know. Fifth? The 27th pick. 27th. Oh. The second to last pick fell all the way mm. to Miami, who had been in the Super Bowl the year before. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. Um, and we're only 10 years out of uh, <laughs> their perfect season. Would go so. to the Super Bowl the next season. Have not been back since. And they they haven't won since... 74. They, they didn't win with Marino at all, ever. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Went to one. And that, um. is, that is your Dan Marino. <laughs> also in 1983, Al Pacino starred mm-hmm. as Scarface, making Miami seem very sexy, if more than a bit dangerous. <laughs> well, Miami becomes an international city at this time. Mm-hmm. It really does. It had been an international city, but now it was now getting its profile cachet. is just exactly yes, everywhere. In 1984, Miami got one of its biggest boosts, thanks in part to the drugs that had seen its downfall in the first Speaking place. Speaking of a boost, huh? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> 
The story goes that Brandon Tartikoff, then president of NBC Entertainment, conceived of a show described in two words, MTV Cops. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's that's like the apocryphal story. Apparently, what really happened is that a former writer and producer of Hill Street Blues, yeah. Anthony Yurkovic, read a story in the Wall Street Journal about Miami being a hotbed for unreported income. Um, however, it was conceived. Sure. The result was Miami Vice. The show featured cool cops driving flashy cars and a pop music-filled soundtrack. The premiere featured Phil Collins's In the Air Tonight. Yes, it did. So the resulting popularity of Miami only helped Miami's sound machine gain traction. Of course, because they're like, they're almost <clears throat> literally providing the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Well, it's like, <laughs> one of my biggest beefs with... <laughs> beefs, uh-oh. I know. Rachel's got beef. Peak City Sound's got beefs. <laughs> You know how you um, you always laugh at uh, Real Housewives and reality shows that I watch, like Top Chef, that there's always music going on? Yes, because there always is. Yeah, there is, it's yes. like being in a casino. Yes, a little bit. One of my <laughs> pet peeves, because these people, they go to Miami all the time, right? So they're sure. constantly oh, sure. going every time... To indicate that they are going to Miami, you know, of course, they have the airplane footage, but then they go, they have like this standard canned Latin music, like, thing. it's like, oh my God. It's like, but, just play Kaga for <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ah. So, Miami Sound Machine's 1985 album, Primitive Love, proved <laughs> to be... That's <laughs> Album title. Proved I to bet be... the cover of it was like a white tiger. No, I think it's actually Gloria. Is it really? Okay. Let me look it up. Is real she wearing quick. a white tigerish outfit? That's, that's <laughs> just what I'm. Uh, that's just what I'm picturing for some reason. No. Maybe I'm thinking of White Lion. No, the, although uh, she is looking very tigress. She is. Yes, that's quite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Primitive. Primitive. What again? Love. Primitive love. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that resulted in their biggest hit, Conga, which we heard at the top. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I mean, they had other hits, but that probably is yes. their, that's, for some uh, for reason. For Miami Sound Machine, that's probably right. their number one hit. For some reason, it's still, just, it never went away. No. <laughs> it's actually, I, I mean, I've had it stuck in my head for two weeks now. Um, <laughs> oh, shit, that's been the cause. Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> that, it's see, one of them. Why do you think I said, like, do not play that song? <laughs> Ever. Um, ironically, the... Band had to fight to release Conga as a single. You gotta fight for your right <laughs> to Conga. To, to release Conga. <laughs> to Conga. <laughs> um. They anyway. Sony didn't want to release it because they thought it was quote too ethnic. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking and like too coked up. Like you guys, <laughs> like you guys did wait. The guys like should have done a half a gram that day instead of the whole gram. <laughs> Um, so according to Gloria, the, the label said it was, quote, too American for the Latins, too Latin for the Americans, end quote. Well, what they were doing was creating the, crossover that's the music. Perfect, yeah. Uh-huh. But that's the perfect blend. It would be, but yeah. they had to fight to make that fight clear. fight right. Exactly. Um, interestingly, I was watching, speaking of conga, um, I was watching, uh, uh, um, documentary about Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and they talked about how 
Because, boy, speaking of people constantly being ousted from Cuba due to the various revolutions, Desi Arnaz's family Mm -hmm. was ousted for that reason. Um, And he and Xavier Cugat, who is another famous Cuban-American or Cuban band leader in America, um, popularized conga in America because it is is of Cuban origin, Afro-Cuban roots or Afro-Caribbean roots. Um, so, you know, the idea of the conga line? I'm oh, sure. That's thanks to Desi Arnaz and oh, okay. <laughs> Xavier Cucat. Well, yeah. I mean, and there's also, like in, uh, you know, uh, shout out to uh, Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in Louisiana, the New Orleans, they've always had like a jazz, blues, mm-hmm. like the famous, like music has been very much, in different types of music, has very much been a part of. Of the fabric of, of oh, this absolutely, country. absolutely. Um, white people are very notorious for saying, "Well, we don't want you, but we'll take your music." Sure, <laughs> I'm very good at that. <laughs> well, music is just everybody stealing from each other. <laughs> yes, but let's not get to what have white people created? <laughs> country grunge. Okay. Yeah, metal. Okay. Yep, emo. Emo, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right there. I was going to say, somebody was probably like, emo! <laughs> country? Well, no, country isn't all white. It really not, isn't. No, not it's the not early, all white. That's not the true. Early stuff. Especially, um, especially the early stuff, actually. And especially uh, the, like... By early stuff, I mean like 20s, 30s, Texas 40s. and Mexico yes. influence, yep. I mean when records were first able to be pressed. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, that era. So, since Conga started breaking through, the band made appearances on TV shows like The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, American Bandstand, and, in another bit of good timing, the hot new TV channel, MTV. Of course. Their song, Hot Summer Nights, was featured in Top Gun. I, yes, I remember that. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember that song. was featured in Cobra. Apparently, it's oh the yeah, uh, yeah, Stallone's. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Remember let's that song too. let's listen. This is this yeah. is the most '80s song. It sounds like Miami Vice. <laughs> I wonder if that's that's classmate <laughs> on the keyboard. Yeah, it might be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops. It's very, uh, very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like it's from Top Gun. <laughs> yes. It does sound like it's from Top Gun. <laughs> there was no drama in that movie. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. That was the dumbest <laughs> film. Oh, my God. It was just like... It didn't matter because it was oh, cool. It was just cool. Oh, my Great God. Great special effects. But, yes, you are correct. Like, the whole time they were trying to tell him that he was going to wind up killing somebody. And then what he did... They tried it's to tell him it was his fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody, Maverick. You're going to kill somebody, Maverick. Hey, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> so MSM embarked on their first world tour in 1985 and 1986. Sure. While the band was still very much held good, down. Good years. Mm-hmm. So Reagan's just kicking in. <laughs> While the band was still very much held down by the instrumentalists, as is often. <laughs> instrumentalists, like it. Like it was like a like a group of invaders or something. <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying is... No, I, I know what you mean. But... As is often the case, the lead vocals are the face of the band yeah. and one of the most able to interact with the audience in a meaningful way. So they eventually renamed themselves Gloria Estefan 
and Miami uh, Sound Machine. Uh. And yes, if I sound like a bitter bass player, it's because I am one. <laughs> it's not to take away from Gloria's talent. It's just my little cross to bear. She's of the she's of the instrumentalists. <clears throat> no, she's of the vocalist. She's of the, the lead vocal. No, she's was, she's of the lead vocalist. But I was I was meaning you. I, I am. Yes, I am of the instrumentalist. That's correct. <laughs> By 1987, with the release of Let It Loose, MSM no longer had anything to prove with their bona fides. The album sold 3 million copies wow. in the U.S. Yeah. and had five hits on the Billboard Hot 100, including the number one, Anything For You. Let's see. Oh, it's, a, it's a ballad, this one. <laughs> this does not sound familiar. Yeah, I don't know either. This is pretty terrible. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, this is like um, meant for um, like the Disney Channel or something. <laughs> it sounds like um, or the Hallmark Channel. Oh, it sounds like a Christmas song. Yeah, so, yeah. Like a, like a Kirk Cameron film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know it. That's pretty just like That's the that's cheesy. the problem. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure like where there was a party like a um you know like a like a wine party in, in 1987. Right. That song was playing mm-hmm. in that house at some point. Mhm. I don't and that that was probably sad too. <laughs> By the end of the 80s Miami Sound Machine as such wasn't really in existence anymore. They got taken over by Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, wait, that's a different machine. No. (laughs) No, I mean, they were now Gloria Estefan. Oh, I see what you mean. So they were basically her backup band. So she didn't go solo, like, she just absorbed. Yeah, basically, (laughs) basically. She absorbed, like, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't put out any new albums after Let It Loose, unless you count a failed reboot attempt known as Miami Sound Machine 2 in 2002 that didn't go anywhere <laughs> i'm counting i'm counting it just because it sucks doesn't mean you can't count it <laughs> and pretty much at that point all the original band members had left so in 1989 gloria released her first solo album cuts both ways which featured Miami Sound Machine as her backup band and that that was how they continued from there on guess what that cut both ways <laughs> You're just going off tonight. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah, oh, no, I it's you. Saturday actually. Yes, it is. <laughs> of course, if it weren't for cuts both ways, we wouldn't have one of the best scenes in Parks and Recreation. I'm gonna play <laughs> play the song first, and I'm I'm gonna go cut through the intro and the verse. I'm gonna go cut both ways. Oh yeah, I remember this Yeah. This was in a couple of movies oh, and in shows. It's just a yeah. very popular song. But but I also remember it being on the radio. Like, do you remember really do. the Parks and Rec scene that I'm talking about? I don't specifically. So Leslie, when she was running for city council, like so the, the first season. No, no, no. Not this was definitely council. not the first season. Okay. She didn't run for city council until a couple seasons in. But um, my apologies. Uh, well, just get your get your back straight here, sir. <laughs> Um, she was making an appearance at a local ice rink and had arranged for a red, one of, I forget who it was, if it was Tom or one of the team 
what had arranged for a red carpet and it only went a few feet and didn't go all the way out to the little podium so they had to like walk over the ice yes and kept they kept falling and her intro song was get on her get on your feet right (laughs) and it kept kept replaying get on your feet as they're falling falling. (laughs) i do do remember that it was so funny because i never i watched like the first three or four seasons of that and then i didn't watch anything after that Mm. It's, it's a hilarious show, but... But yeah, I do remember that scene, because every time they fell, it kept saying, get on your feet. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. <laughs> While things were going absolute gangbusters for her career, Gloria's relationship with Big Gloria had continued to deteriorate. Yeah. In 1988, Gloria invited Becky, her sister, to join her on tours. Big Gloria blew up at Gloria and threatened to never speak to her again if she took Becky on tour. Becky. <laughs> Becky went on tour and Big Gloria stopped talking with Gloria for two years. But that would soon change yeah, in the most dramatic fashion. So on to the topic at hand, right? The actual crash. Mm. So on Tuesday, March 20th, 1990, the Estefans were on Gloria's tour bus on Interstate 380 near Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, I could not find a list of who was on board. Um, I did learn that their driver was Ron Bear Jones, and Gloria mentioned Naib's tutor was on board. I did find reference to the fact that members of the band were also on board, but again, not like a full list of names or anything. So it was not just Gloria, um, Emilio, and Naib. It, it was their family, but then also plenty of other people just not sure who exactly now there's a reference on wikipedia that i couldn't find anywhere else that gloria was on her way back from having met with daddy bush about potentially appearing in an anti-drug campaign that may or may not be accurate and gloria herself has actually given some conflicting accounts of where they were going in different interviews i saw a couple different versions of this which this was her speaking more recently, so something that happened over 30 years ago, it'd be easy to forget exactly. Especially considering what happened, you know. You maybe weren't recalling exactly where you were headed. But in one interview, she said they were headed to Syracuse to make up a tour date. In another interview, she said they were headed to New York City because they had been invited to a party for, like, uh, Upper Up at Sony. And Emilio said that they should go, and she reluctantly agreed but said that she preferred to take the tour bus instead Mm -hmm. of a limo because she felt safer in a tour in the tour bus. Sure. Uh, Which, yeah, that that does actually make sense. Yeah. Yeah. What doesn't seem to be up for debate is that the road conditions were really bad. It was like icy because this March is very up in the air in the Northeast. You never know what you're going to get. But it's usually still cold Mm -hmm. and there's usually still snow on the ground. Yeah. So it was um, icy road conditions The bus came up on a traffic jam because of a jackknife tractor trailer up ahead. So they came to a stop in the bus. Unfortunately, the fully loaded tractor trailer behind them did not. Mm. And it crashed into the rear of the bus. So it was just... Huh? Couldn't stop. Bear Jones, the driver, said, quote, We were stopped waiting for them to clear the road. I didn't see him coming. Mm. End quote. Yeah, well, how... How, how could you? Yeah. Yeah. 
The bus was propelled into another semi in front of them. Jesus Christ. And that cut into the front of the the bus. So here is a picture of the bus afterwards. Oh, my God. It's like a skeleton of a bus, kind of. Yeah. It looks like it went through, like, a fucking bombing raid or something. Yeah, it it really does. Yeah, it was a a very bad, um, a very bad accident. So Gloria was sleeping on the couch in the front of the tour bus, and she said the impact, quote, felt like an explosion. Sure. End quote. She was thrown back in, like, farther back into the bus over the dining table, and she hit her back on the dining table. She tried to get up, but she was in way too much pain, Um, and she said that actually gave her hope. That she felt pain because she thought that might mean sure. she's not paralyzed. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So. That she could actually feel something. Yep. A bloody Emilio hovered over her asking if she was okay. Uh, she knew instantly something was wrong. She said she had, uh, she said she had, quote, the taste of electricity, end quote, in her mouth. Hmm. It's just never good when you're experiencing sensations that are, you shouldn't be. Uh, and she told Emilio right off the back she thought she broke her, broke her back. Mm-hmm. She was also terrified her kid was on the bus, right? So she's sure. like, where's my kid? Um, but she couldn't go look for him because she can't even move. Um, Emilio went to look for him and Gloria was relieved when she heard Naib call out for Emilio, realizing he was okay. And then the two of them went back to Gloria and Gloria was just trying to like keep her shit together to not scare her kid. So because of the traffic jam and weather conditions, it took about two hours for paramedics to arrive. Uh, And a nurse was the first person on the scene and she instructed Gloria not to move. When the paramedics arrived, she was strapped to a board and taken to the local hospital along with Naive and Emilio. Gloria later said that Bear Jones, the driver, rode with her in the ambulance and even held her hand, even though he was also injured. Sure. Naive suffered a fractured clavicle, and Emilio had head and hand injuries. And there were some injuries sustained by other passengers, including broken ribs. Like I said, I couldn't find, like, an accounting of who was on there or how else Her, Gloria was the most severely injured sure. and obviously is the most famous person that's where all the coverage was right fortunately there were no fatalities I was just gonna yeah okay yeah I, yeah I, I think I kind of remember that it was just obviously everybody was injured mm-hmm. um, it was just to, to an extent of what right mm-hmm um, well, and the second you talk about someone's spinal cord, it's or spinal column, it's, it's not, not good. good. Uh-uh. <clears throat> so Amelia was told by doctors, Gloria was right. She broke her back. Specifically, she shattered two vertebrae. When Emilio heard this, it upset him so much he passed out. Mm. And he had to request that they put him in a wheelchair so that he could go see Gloria without having to worry about fainting again. Gloria and Emilio were told that there was a good chance Gloria would have major balance issues even after recovering and that she most likely could not have any more children. Mm. She's only 32 at this point. That's true. Yeah, she's still pretty, yeah. Yep. Gloria later told her niece that uh, she was happy that she was the one who was hurt the most and not Emilio because she thought Emilio couldn't have handled it. Mm. (laughs) It's like, you know what? Yeah. yeah, that that can that that can I 
I will always say I think women are way better at handling illness and injury than men overall, in general. Uh, Big Gloria was at school teaching when the news broke, and the initial reports were inaccurate. The breaking news said that Gloria died. Oh, man. So Big Gloria was, like, in the break room, and breaking news, Gloria Estefan dead. That's... It's horrible. That's horrible. So she, um, having just found out at work that her daughter could be dead, Big Gloria was incredibly upset and collapsed to the floor. She eventually flew to be with Gloria, ending their standoff and reconciling them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Becky learned about the accident in a similar way as Big Gloria, saying of that moment, quote, my world crumbled, end quote. She also traveled to Scranton, and she visited the crash site to help gather the luggage from the bus. Just one of those weird logistic things like, well, our shit's all still Uh, on that bus. Somebody's got to help get it back to them. Yeah. She said that there were bloody handprints all over the bus. So, yeah, it must be incredibly upsetting. As an extremely popular singer, Gloria received thousands of cards, faxes, because it's 1990. Oh, my God, yes. And flowers from fans all she, over the world. She got like three emails <laughs> from the, the because there three are like, people at universities. There, there are like there are like seventy six people on Earth at this point that know how to use email. Right. So she got three of those. Right. Um, Gloria kept every card she received. Yeah, I mean, which she still has sure. years later. Of course. Mm-hmm. People held special masses to pray for her recovery, and Gloria would later credit the energy from the prayers for helping her recovery. Gloria was airlifted to New York City, where she underwent a four-hour operation to implant titanium rods in her back. I was going to say, like, from where where this crash happened is almost equidistant to go to Syracuse or New Uh, York City. Both big hospitals. And Syracuse has a huge hospital network Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Given, yeah, New York City has the top line, top of the line of pretty much everything. Right. So. Um, during the surgery, Emilio went into a room for privacy where he broke down crying, and Big Gloria happened upon him, comforted him, and ended their years-long estrangement. So it took Gloria getting into wow, this accident yeah. for her mom to come around to Emilio no kidding. 12 years after they were married. Yeah, better late than never. I guess so. <laughs> the Estefans filed a personal injury lawsuit against the driver of the semi, who was found to have been driving too fast for the weather conditions. Obviously, they couldn't break in time, you know. Yeah. They were seeking $50,000 in damages, but were eventually awarded $8.95 million. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, to put kind of a sad coda on the story of Bear Jones... He died of COVID in December 2020. Yeah. So the Estefans returned to Miami a couple of weeks after the accident to a warm homecoming from fans. This is them on the tarmac. Yep, okay. And she's in a wheelchair, obviously. Yep. Yep. Because Gloria's recovery was long and painful. Sure. And for three months, she was mostly incapacitated. And Emilio had to do everything for her. Emilio said it was a, quote, blessing to take care of her. Gloria could only sleep for about 45 minutes at a time before the pain made her have to get up and walk. Mm -hmm. 
And, and let's face it, this is 1990 technology. Yeah, that's like, true too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today, and, today they'd be like, no, you're going to spend half your day in like a tub. Right. So your back can, you know. Uh, right. Uh-huh. There's no stress on it. Yeah. Oh, man. So, and, and Amelia would get up with her every 45 minutes. Mm. Gloria refused painkillers <sighs> because they made her ill and because she wanted to, quote, know how far to push my body, end quote. She said it took. It is tough. She said it took about six months for her to start feeling like she was really making a recovery, and at that point, she spent six to seven hours a day in physical therapy and working out to regain strength and balance. It was her full time job to try and recover. Yeah. As she was recovering, Gloria also somehow managed to record her next studio (laughs) into the light. (laughs) Yes which was highly influenced by the accident and her recovery. The opening track, Coming Out of the Dark, was conceived by Emilio the night of the accident when he was riding in an emergency helicopter. And... <laughs> it's 1990. 1990. It's, uh, it's still the 1980s. In yes. yeah. Clearly. <laughs> I think I remember this song. Do you? Yeah, I think I remember this song. All right, where I grew up, we had, this is what we had. Okay. We didn't get MTV until I was 12. Yes, or, yes, in 1989. But uh, all we had was basically like top 40 radio from uh, Ottawa, Canada. Okay. Ottawa's (laughs) greatest hits. Well, it was was called uh, Shea 106. Shay? House 106. Oh, S- yes. C- Shay. C-H-E-Z? Yes. <laughs> Shay 106. But it played, like, all this kind of shit. Like, okay. this fucking, you know. It just but reminded, we like, Celine Dion or something. It's yeah. kind of in the same yeah. vein, for sure. But uh, there was no, like, modern rock station or, like, you had MTV for that. Uh-huh. But obviously, MTV was on TV. You couldn't bring that with you right. at the time. Which, you know, but when you were driving around... Like this That's is, what you're this listening is the kind to. of fucking shit <laughs> that your mom had on fucking. <laughs> uh, so the album Into the Light was released. Shay, 106. <laughs> was released in January 1991. That same month, Dick Clark called Emilio and asked if Gloria would consider performing at the American Music Awards. I think I remember this, too. It was a big moment. Yeah. Because, so, Emilio told Dick Clark, like, if you want her to, I, to I perform... I do remember this. Yeah. He said, if you want her to perform, you have to fly down to Miami and ask her yourself. And he did. Well, sure. And like, she did. Because he's like, I'm Dick Clark. Yep. Gloria agreed. He's and, 1991 Dick Clark. Yes. That's, that's he's, like, he's still yes. at the top of his game. Yeah. Gloria agreed and performed Coming Out of the Dark as her comeback just 10 months after the accident. On March 1st, 1991, just shy of one year after her accident, Gloria kicked off a year-long tour to promote Into the Light at the Miami Arena. It's no longer around. It was replaced by the American Airlines Arena, now Kaseya Center. The reason I remember that American Music Awards mm-hmm. where she performed, mm-hmm. it was the next weekend after the Bills lost the Super Bowl oh. to the Giants. <laughs> like, the only Super Bowl that they had a chance of mm-hmm. winning. And uh, John Bon Jovi was presenting an award, 
and was like, go Giants, like Super Bowl oh. chance, and I was like, I fucking hate you even more, oh. John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Is this why you hate him so much? No, no, that was just like oh, extra. Okay. Like, I already had that's what I'm saying. Already like, I already, like, disliked him. Gotcha. That's then what, like, he, that's, that's where what, like, it grew into hatred. Well, that's where it, you know, started to, like, branch <laughs> off. Gotcha. Into hatred. It, it eventually became hatred. That's funny. Or, and now it's just, well, yeah, now it's just indifference. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously these performances were huge because and oh, yeah. she was bopping around and dancing and doing yeah. her thing i do, rem- I when, do remember this like now that you've gotten into this i'm like mm-hmm. i remember all this shit because mm-hmm. i was watching the grammys and the american music awards mm-hmm. and mtv and mm-hmm. because this is also at the time when the american music awards and the grammys were starting to play like hard rock and yeah. metal bands were mm-hmm. performing Mm-hmm. I actually at that same I'm pretty sure that same American Music Awards Metallica performed. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring Metallica and Gloria, <laughs> Gloria Stefan. <laughs> Mashup. Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> Could you imagine Metallica playing conga? <laughs> come on, baby. Come on, baby. I, I don't even know what you can do with that. No. Uh, so after Gloria's recovery, Naive told his tutor a secret that she passed on to, or that they passed on to Gloria. He had felt personally responsible for the bus crash for an entire year because the day before the crash, he and his tutor had been out on the sidewalk playing step on a crack, break your mother's back. Oh, I mean. But you can see how in a little kid's Everybody's going to have a little bit of a, you know, guilt. Well, in a kid's mind, they don't. Yeah. They can't, you know, separate that stuff. Throughout the 90s, Gloria continued releasing albums, including her first Spanish-language album, Mi Tierra, and a Christmas album, Christmas Through Your Eyes, in 1993. <laughs> like, 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 we're going to shove, like, Christmas trees through your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds, sounds That's like, how you interpret it! <laughs> sounds a little aggressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> Christmas through your eyes. I just wanted to have some fucking eggnog and like a fire. Is that okay? No, it's like you're gonna fucking like it. You're gonna love it. The following year, on December fifth, nineteen ninety four, Gloria gave birth to her and Amelia's second child, a daughter okay. named Emily. So, the not being able to have kids just didn't end up being a thing. Um, so they have two kids. And it's interesting because there's quite a spread in between them. I, I I would be fascinated to find out from... I would love to ask her, like, you had your first kid at 22 and your second kid at 37. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's quite a gap. <laughs> you know, what, what? and you had your second kid after you had after, titanium rods in Yes, your I was just going to say, after What were the uh, physical experiences surgery? of each of those pregnancies, you know? Well, we've been uh, re-watching Breaking Bad, and that's mm-hmm. the same situation in that show. That's exactly right. And I told you that. Yes. That that was a hint that yeah, that yes. came into play. Yep. Uh-huh. So Gloria's career continued into the 21st century and continues today. In 2015, the musical On Your Feet, Exclamation mark. <laughs> Based on the Estefan's... Like the song? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lives and music premiered. And like it... when you walk past the poster, it just says, Get on your feet. No, it says, On your feet. Oh. oh. Exclamation mark. And, oh. and, and. And, and, and. Mm-hmm. The, the. <laughs> the show quickly made its way to Broadway, London's West End, and Amsterdam. I guess they've always loved Gloria in the Netherlands. In 27... Well, it's been legal there for a long... Or hash, at least, <laughs> for a long time. 
That's the thing that gets them going in the morning. There you go. It gets them on <laughs> their feet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, otherwise they would just stay on the couch all day. I Somehow I don't feel like weed is a strong motivator for people to get up and do things. It's not. That's why you, that's why you need Gloria Stefan. Oh, okay. That's I what see. I'm saying. I yeah. see. <laughs> In 2017, Gloria intended to release her album Brazil 305, in which she re-recorded many of her hits with new rhythms, but the release was delayed when Big Gloria died at oh, age 88. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The album was released in 2020 to positive critical reception. <laughs> Great year to release an album. Yeah, right? After all this research on Gloria, I was kind of afraid I would come to learn she had bad politics, you know? Um, but I was happy sure, yeah. to learn some key things about her. For one, in 2020, she criticized Fuckface's response to the pandemic. Specifically, she spoke up for a national mask mandate, saying, quote, I think we've suffered from a serious lack of leadership. I think that at the beginning, the prudent thing would have been to listen to the task force that was really expressing that the best way we could protect everyone was to have a mask mandate, end quote. She recorded a parody of her hit, Get On Your Feet, called Put On Your Mask. Okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it okay. is. She's, she has yeah. a little sense of humor, too. Yeah. Um, also, the Estefans, part of why they're really big in Miami is they have a lot of business ventures in Miami. I don't doubt that. Restaurants yeah. and stuff like that. So This is also the era of the, the pop star like not just being a musician. Mm-hmm. Being literally like a business person. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have, or being like Madrigal. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I've got a food venture here. I've got, I've got a, a meth a, operation in the Czech Republic. Right. <laughs> uh, a weed operation over here. I've got a carpet business over here. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's. But, well, and Emilio is a longtime South Florida businessman. So. Right. Um, but so they were personally quite affected by the COVID pandemic. They owned restaurants, sure. right? So stuff like that highly affected their business. Um, So she had reason to be very specific about, like, curbing the pandemic. As one of Florida's most famous residents, in 2022, Gloria spoke up about the don't say gay laws in Florida. She said, quote, we will be forever thankful to our gay fans for being so supportive and open from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can definitely see. The (laughs) the first people who took a chance on Congo were the DJs and gay clubs. Sure. And I continue to respect and love the community even more so now that my daughter came out. End quote. So her her daughter, Emily, is is gay or a member of the the LGBTQ plus community. And we know from a different podcast... um, that really gay clubs is where like dance music really mm-hmm. started yeah. and popularized. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sound systems too. And like, what, yep. what were we listening to? Uh, you're wrong about that's what sure. it was. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that's also one of the reasons that disco and dance music is maligned or especially back in sure. the day is because, because it was associated. It's association with yeah. queer people and people of color. Yeah. So, yeah. Gloria has won three Grammy Awards, several Latin Grammy Awards, a Hispanic Heritage Award, and an MTV Video Music Award. Oh, very nice. She and Emilio joint, like together, the first couple jointly were awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Barack Obama, and Gloria became the first Cuban American named as a Kennedy Center honoree. Okay. She became the first Latina inductee into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. 
in June of this year. Oh, wow. And okay. I say Latina, but it's Latino. The first uh, Latinx person inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. She has sold over 100 million albums globally. It's fucking insane. Yes. Like, it really is. Yes. And had 38 Billboard number one That's hits. even more insane, I think. Gloria and Miami Sound Machine have long been recognized as revolutionizing and popularizing Latin music the world over. Gloria is a big believer in the American dream, frequently stating she believes that hard work can result in high reward. Though on this pod we fully recognize the flaw. Ken being the yeah, key word. In that belief, it's also understandable given the highs and lows she's experienced that positive thinking is a big part of what drives her and helped her through some truly dark personal moments. When asked what she would like to be remembered for, Gloria said, quote, if I can put a smile on people's faces when they think of me, you can't hope for better. Very this nice. is a story, or the, this is a picture of the Estefans. So oh, okay. More recently, it's not super recent, but still. So that's Emily and Naive. Again, they kind of all look alike. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, she's, she's an abuela. She's a grandma. Her son had a son. Abuela. Um, I think who's over 10 years old now, I think. I just remember that from the very first episode of Better Call Saul. Oh, uh that's, it's, uh, growing up in South Florida, you get used to, um, abuela, abuelo, tío, and tía. Sure. Um. That's right, tío Salamanca. No, Tito Salamanca. Tito. Right? Wasn't there a Tito Salamanca? Well, that's what they... His oh, they always called him Tito. It's because yes. that's uncle. That yes. means uncle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now that that's cleared up. That was the story of the Gloria Estefan bus crash. Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember it, but I remember it a little bit because um, this is when I'm really starting to consume all the mass media that I can, yeah. being, being MTV and yes. HBO. Uh-huh. Uh, ESPN and Shay 106 of course <laughs> breaking and, uh, news on Shay 106 eventually we got the bear out uh-huh. of Ottawa which was the that that was the uh, the rock station uh, okay which at the time was like a little bit of classic rock a little bit of modern mm-hmm. so you got a little bit of both but yeah I gotcha. think that one's still going well I as I was researching this like I uh, in looking at interviews and <clears> stuff <throat> like that I find her really likable. Yeah, actually, I mean, I, she seems very genuine and very likable. Let's face it, not in, into the music at all. Right. But her career as a musician is fucking impressive. It's huge. And it's huge. I think it sounds like she's just impressive overall as just a human being, which yeah. is what really matters. Mm-hmm. Because if you've reached that level of fame, you would expect mm-hmm. like seven marriages and. That's, that's you know, the other all thing. kinds of fucking crazy shit. It was just like it, it was just yeah. like it was like a normal family that happened to be famous. Kind of right. Yeah. You know. and, and like as we're recording this on their forty fifth wedding anniversary, this know, couple right? has stayed together for forty five years. We've and... only been married for six. I know. <laughs> and like in uh, so a, a lot of the information about the bus crash and stuff I found on an episode of Red Table Talk, which is a Facebook thing. Unfortunately, you can only watch it on Facebook. So if you have oh, Facebook, okay. you can um, you can uh, access it. If you it. have X, <laughs> which I do not. No, Facebook, <laughs> no, not I'm X. Kidding, yeah. Um, but they did a whole series of stuff, and they talk. It, it was 
Gloria, her daughter and her niece primarily were the ones talking uh, about it. But then they also brought in Emilio and he talked about it, about, you know, the the crash and stuff. But um, I found Emilio really likable, too. And and they sure. talked he, he talked about like how hard it was seeing her go through what she sure. was going through, which, of course, it would be to see a loved one. And he was basically the one like responsible for her. And um, like I said, like waking up with her every 45 minutes and walking with her and supporting her. And she told a story about how um, she like felt like throwing a party the first time after the accident, she could actually get her underwear on herself. Oh, you know, weird. just yeah. like that, I mean, that just type those of little, thing. Those small victories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're like a couple who's been through 45 years of like not easy stuff either. Right. A lot of success, sure, but a lot of challenges as well. And raised two kids kind of in shifts, right? Separately. Yes. And, and Emilio um, being willing to kind of be the primary caregiver because he recognizes that her career takes her away from her family a lot, you know. And they, as of the, in, in the Red Table Talks, which was only like a couple years ago, a year or two ago, they seem like they really love each other. Well, it's I not mean, just like, oh yeah, we're together for the kids sort of a thing. No, because you know? if you're together for that long, that's, yeah. yeah, it's because you are in mm-hmm. love with each other. And their, their timeline co- comes close to paralleling my parents to, <laughs> that's true. My parents they, got yeah. married in, um, just shy of two years after them. Mm-hmm. So they celebrated their 43rd anniversary this year and uh i don't think longevity in a marriage just in and of itself should necessarily be considered an accomplishment right but let's face it like because maybe you shouldn't be together together, right but uh But if you have made it that long then yeah yeah and they seem they actually seem like a really sweet couple and you know they've and their daughter um Played piano and sang with... I know, that's so nice. <laughs> Played piano and sang with Gloria in the Red Table Talks, too. Okay. <clears throat> so. But yeah, they're just... It's, I find her charming. They are They are uh, kind of adorable, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And I'm really glad that she was able to come back from... Yeah. Um, from that crash, because that could have ended up a whole lot worse. And... Oh, for, for I mean, sure. not that it was good. No. That, but nobody, that's a huge thing to go through. But, but nobody died. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everybody was maimed to a certain degree. Right. But it and seems she, like everybody, for the most part, made like the best comeback they could make. Exactly. You and know. she was able to continue on with her career. Yeah. Which is big. And yeah. you've got to think of... I mean, tour buses these days are still... They've always been like these fortresses. Right. For mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, they're Not fucking, against an 18-wheeler. Right, man. but that's that's what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Like, that's that uh-huh. shows you, like, just mm-hmm. how, like, powerful this thing was that hit it. Because yep. if you've ever seen, like, a tour bus, like, they're, they're yeah, fucking gigantic. They're big. Uh-huh. You know, like, zombie apocalypse, <laughs> you want one of those. Right. Yeah, you know, you're not going to go very far because it only gets, like, a gallon a mile. But you'll be able to a fend mile off. A gallon? Yes. There you go. <laughs> but you'll be able to fend off, you know, creatures for a little while because yeah. you can just lock that shit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it becomes like, um, I don't know, <laughs> like inside the bus, it becomes something different. It becomes. <laughs> yeah. I love how you're like carrying out this, um, and then. <laughs> then this happens. Yes. Uh-huh. But yeah, it, it becomes like yeah, like a war inside the bus. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, 
That's got to be brutal. Yeah. Because you get because she obviously went on tour again. Oh, I, yeah. This was so 30, she was this on, was over thirty years right. ago. This so, was half her lifetime ago. Right. And like not even ten years into her career, really. Or just about yeah. ten years into her career. And yeah, you know, she's got to take a tour bus again. Yeah. So to get over all that and jeez, mm-hmm. no, no thanks. That would be brutal. But it turns out pretty <laughs> nice. You just realized you didn't want to end on that downer, did. did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> so that was the glorious fun bus crash. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.